When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's uh, Zarar with uh, Louis Zatzman, the managing editor of Rappers Republic. And uh, the Philly series is, uh, you know, in a few days, Saturday at 6 p.m. is game one. And I'm excited because this series has some historical context. Louis, it's got Allen Iverson, Vince Carter. Yeah. Uh, and then more recently, it's got The Shot by Kawhi. Yep. And even more recently, you have this uh, this this backdrop where you have this resurgent Raptors team challenging well-established norms on how you might be playing basketball and going with a, almost like a point guard free lineup at times. We've all heard of the six, nine lineups and length and strength and all that versus Philly, which is believe it or not a more traditional lineup now with a big man in the middle and a, a guy who depends on one-on-one scoring to get most of his offense. It's really a clash of styles more than anything. And we can get into that. And I think the wrap-up live guys are going to have, have a big discussion about that. But I kind of want to talk about Pascal Siakam because two years ago, he was in the bubble, had a miserable series against um, against the Boston Celtics. The, the Raptors ended up losing in seven. Here we are two years later. What has changed about Pascal Siakam? And how confident are you that in a playoff context, under the pressure cooker of a playoff environment, he is able to step up against, you know, one of the best players in the league and probably will end up being one of the best players of all time in Joel Embiid. Has Pascal Siakam made that transition? Because in my mind, you know, you're only a proven player once you perform in the postseason. Is this Pascal Siakam's postseason? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And I, I think he's very prepared. Uh, Michael Grange wrote a really excellent piece about Pascal Siakam's struggles he just wasn't ready physically or uh, or emotionally to play basketball in the bubble. Uh, on top of that, Boston's a really tough matchup. But he, his game has changed dramatically since then. And I think another really important point of comparison is to his series against Philadelphia the year before. Because he had an unbelievable playoff run during the championship season, of course, but he actually struggled for a stretch against Philadelphia. He he scored a lot of points, right? 29 in, in game one, 21 game two. But when Philadelphia wanted to turn the tap off for Siakam, they just tossed Embiid on him. And Siakam didn't have a ton of answers in that series. And he's changed his game a lot since then, right? A lot of what we've seen in his, in his stardom today, his ability as a screener, his passing his mid-range jump shot that's all added in reaction to Embiid shutting him down in that series and I am so excited to see him use it once again against the same guy who made him develop those skills yeah and uh, you you totally agree I I think even in the last game we we saw against Philly you saw how easily he was able to face up Embiid and basically do the spin move and now his his finishing on the stretch because he does that little stretch when you spin he extends to finish the accuracy on that finish has gone substantially higher uh, and he's able yeah. to finish against guys who are taller than him stronger than him because he he sort of has figured out how his body contorts and has adjusted his finishing to uh, to to adapt to it basically uh, 
Is there anything Doc Rivers can do to throw off Pascal Siakam? Because I ask this because he has become the Raptors guy when nothing else is working. You give it to Siakam and he seems to have the ability more than anybody else on the team, even Fred, to create that something out of nothing that is so important in the postseason. Does Doc Rivers have something in his pocket that can confuse us, that can confuse not just Siakam, but overall the Raptors plan against Philadelphia? I mean, there's a couple options. Not a lot, right? So so one is throwing Embiid on Siakam again in the regular season series and take these numbers with a grain of salt. They're very loosely correct. Um, Embiid played 52 possessions against Siakam, who shot eight for 24 against Embiid. So still, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the league. He gives everyone trouble. Siakam is, is no exception there. But other than that, I mean, is the, Tobias Harris can't guard him. Tybalt's not even going to play some of the games. Danny Green's way too small. James Harden's way too slow. They just don't have the wing defenders. So you would like Embiid to be the contingency plan, right? Break in case of glass like it was in 2019. But from Philadelphia's perspective, they kind of have to start Embiid on Siakam because if they just let him score 20 points on like nine shots to start the series, I mean, that's just no way to, to plan. And if MB does guard Siakam, that's kind of what Toronto wants anyway. So in the regular season series, Siakam led Toronto in how many pick and rolls he ran. And he was crazy efficient, better than average against Philadelphia. Because what that means is Embiid is not only their, their best you know defender in space, he's also their only rim protector. And if Embiid is up on Siakam in the pick and roll, I mean, that's they win. Like, that's a huge win for the Raptors because that means Embiid's not by the rim. So Siakam doesn't even have to do anything. He can just throw the ball to a teammate in the post, for example. And so Philadelphia does have options, but none of them are good. And Toronto has ways to sort of turn those options into weaknesses, no matter what Philly chooses. Yeah, I wrote about it in this morning's piece, is that I think we want Embiid out there guarding our guys in a face-up situation, both for the the point that you mentioned about that it takes him away from the basket, allowing the Raptors to kind of drive more guys like Gary Trent Jr., who aren't the greatest of finishers against traffic, are now able to maybe go in and and, and finish a little bit easier. But also, it, it increases the uh, the the foul probability against MB. Yeah. I think if you put him in face-up situations, I think our guys, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, all of our guys, Scotty Barnes, OG, Siakam, even Precious lately, are fairly good in face-up situations. Not so much in back in, in, on the post-up, with OG being the exception. Uh, maybe Siakam's an exception too, but certainly uh, some of the other guys aren't great post-up players. Putting him in face-up situations increases the probability that he gets he, he picks up early fouls. How much of getting Embiid in foul trouble is a strategy that Nick Nurse adopts, or is it more of a natural byproduct of how you approach the game? Yeah, awesome question. I don't think it's going to be the primary intention of the offense, but if they're playing good offense, Embiid will get fouls as a result. Like it's going to be one of the the primary effects of good basketball. If the Raptors just drive the ball into a stationary Embiid under the rim, they're going to lose the series. If that's how they play offense, that's game over. Exactly like you said, you got to stretch him out to the three-point line, preferably the corner. If you can get him switched onto Ananobi, huge. That's a huge offensive win for the Raptors. And he just doesn't foul much under the rim. 
If you get him chasing you from behind, I mean, Pascal Siakam had that little okey-doke where he did the the pump fake under and then Embiid went flying and he came back around for the finger roll. Those types of plays, that's when you can get Embiid fouling when he's when he's moving, when he's guarding you in face-up. Completely agree with you there. And just Philly wants to play slow, static basketball. They just want to play grinding. I was looking at this the other day. Embiid leads the league in post-up attempts. James Harden leads the league in isolation attempts. They don't want to move. These guys just want to get the ball, stand still, make slow, patient decisions. And that's defensively too, where they don't play a ton of zone. They play a lot of drop, calm, chill, or defense. The more Toronto can muck it up, throw frantic, make them make quick decisions, the better. That includes fouls, right? That includes blitzing when, when Pascal does that sort of runs at ball handlers. Just identity and style will determine Pascal's success. And the thing about fouls for Embiid's, James Harden, when he's been alone without Embiid, has just been blown out of the water. Like, Philadelphia has sucked when Harden has controlled the offense without Embiid to backstop him. And the more minutes Toronto can have without Embiid on the floor, the more likely they're to win the series, just like 2019. Yeah, and I guess the last point here before we sign off is the one thing that scares me is what you just kind of said is that the Raptors are so amazing when they're forcing turnovers, especially with Fred stripping the ball near that three-point line and just like going off to the races. That has been the source of not just a a lot of our offense, but but, but a lot of our energy. I think the team feeds off of that and it becomes contagious and it propels sort of the entire team. Philadelphia will try to muck it up, as you said. They'll try to grind it down into a half-court offense. And we both know the Raptors are not necessarily the greatest half-court offense team. And one of the reasons is they do not really have good pick-and-roll actions in their offense. Uh, Even when they tried to run some against Philly last time, the results were not great. Against the Knicks, they weren't. They just haven't been great to watch. Yeah. Given the given the absence of a strong pick and roll option, what do the Raptors rely on to manufacture offense in in the in in a, in a half court that Philly is trying to muck up? Because those situations will arise. As much as we talk about going up and down the court, there's going to be like 10, 12 minute stretches of this game where it's just going to be a slow slog fest, classic Eastern yeah. 90s basketball. And, and and Harden is one of the greatest controllers of identity in the history of the game. Right, What he wants basketball to look like is what it looks like. And so, yeah, completely agree. They're going to have to be good in the half court. So Fred and Gary Trent especially are going to have to hit pull-up threes. Just fact of the matter, they're going to have to take a bunch because Embiid plays drop, and they don't, if, especially when Tybalt's not playing, they don't have a lot of those great rear-view contest guys. The Raptors are going to get a lot of open pull-up threes. They have to hit them. Yeah. At the same time, if... Siakam is pulling Embiid out in isolation, toss the ball into Barnes or Ananobi in the post. I know that they're not, you know, maybe that's not the ideal basketball play, but it's sometimes that's the best you're going to get in the half court against a team like Philadelphia. Maybe you get some free throws, kick out to an open three-point shooter. And and the main thing, though, I think a lot of what we're going to see is just Pascal Siakam isolations. Yeah. He has been working in tiny, tiny spaces, and he's just been dominating the NBA for like two straight months. If he's able to just score in isolation, kick out to three-point shooters, dump down to cutters, that's where the offense is going to come from in the half court. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'll double down on the post-up. Uh, I, I think uh, OG Ananobi, I wrote in my post this morning, is 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 
essentially an underutilized asset in the post. Yeah. And I totally agree. If Philly, if Philly wants to slow the game down, the Raptors can't settle for poor shots. They can't force it against a set defense. And I think patience is key there. And given that this is a young team with some vets in there, with, with Siakam and, and OG at Colavet and Fred, obviously, I, I think this is where we have to be patient in our half court and just be patient in our post-ups and not force it. I think going to OG is a is, is something that I would love to see more often. And, you know, and I'll, I'll echo this too. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. has got to hit his, forget about his pull-up threes. He's got to hit his mid-range jumper. Because yeah. once he comes off that screen, he has an open jumper almost 90% of the time or a, a makeable jumper around that elbow area, which he's been clanking of late. The last two games he's made it, he's made a couple. But that's got to be a source of offense for the Raptors in the half court. And without Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, like the Sixers aren't as big as they were once. And so those mid-range shots for for Trent are going to be more open than they have been in the past against this team. 